Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, it's an NBA Finals preview. The NBA Finals are set. It's the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. So we're going to go to the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin, and to the host of the Locked On Heat podcast, David Ramil, to break it all down for you. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys, welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast. And I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Well, the NBA Finals are set. So we're going to do a preview with the local experts on both the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. So let's get to it. Well, the NBA Finals are set, so what we're going to be doing is a bit of a, a preview here with the local Locked On Podcast Network host today. We go, or to start off with, we go to Los Angeles to talk to the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin. You have been uh, covering the Lakers, you've been host of Locked On Lakers since the podcast and the network started, and in that time, the Lakers haven't been good, but now they are, and they are back in the NBA Finals. How does it feel? It's been a it's been it's been a wild couple days, you know. Uh, for those who listen to Locked On Lakers, uh, you know, every day, they know that that one of the things, one of the big things to happen to the Irwin family is that we have bought a house that has been in large part because of the success of of Locked On Lakers, and and that was made possible by way of the uh, increased success over the years that that I've been covering them, and and that all kind of culminated in. Uh, the the Lakers punching or stamping. I, I I go back and forth on on whether or not I use stamping or punching their ticket to the finals. And then while while it would have been nice to to see the Celtics in the finals and and beat them for championship number seventeen, which would have tied everything up. It's also kind of fun to laugh at the fact that Boston ran their organization in all of the right ways and did all of the right things according to and myself included. Like I, I thought in terms of asset accruement and, and uh, in, in terms of developing those players, their youth, I, I thought Boston did a lot right. But the thing that they, Danny Ainge being a, a career role player, the thing that he overlooked is the value of the superstar and the Lakers sold out the organization for LeBron James they sold out the youth movement for Anthony Davis and are now on the verge of, of, of potentially championship number 17 against a team, by the way, that sold out the organization once upon a time to LeBron James that did whatever it took to, uh, took to acquire Jimmy Butler, who has helped kind of reshape the culture and, and, and kind of resettle the foundation of the culture of, of the Miami Heat and uh, to see the Lakers kind of where they're at right now is 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 really fun, and and laughing at the Celtics being where they're at is is just as fun. I'm sure that's a, an added bonus for for Lakers fans that the Celtics uh, you're failing to get to the NBA Finals. But let's before we look forward here, Anthony, let's look back at you know the the Nugget series, the the Game Five uh, over the weekend. Um, and you have rightfully been critical of Rajon Rondo and of Dwight Howard throughout their signing and play during the season at times. But 
throughout the playoffs, they've had some really big games, and Howard in uh, Game 5 was massive. He started, and I think that was always the right move to go with him over JaVale McGee, and he played 35 minutes, and he was just super important in this series after being a DMPCD in the in the Houston series. So I think what the postseason forces you to do is either really commit to playing 115% over longer stretches of the game or accept a role that better fits where your talent level is at and and do whatever you possibly can to fit that role. And like Rajon Rondo is an interesting one because I think the Lakers kind of had to fit their play to optimize Rondo and make him useful. And in making him useful, made themselves a better team, by the way. And what the Lakers basically had to do with Rondo on the court was we're going to speed up our play exponentially. And we are going to get out and run as often as we possibly can, because the one thing that we cannot do with Rondo on the court is play in the half court because defenses don't respect him enough. And yes, he'll hit the occasional three-pointer that everybody on Twitter will say, oh my God, hey, Rondo just hit a three-pointer. That doesn't really do much for you in terms of the grander scheme of things when these teams match up. Uh, so the Lakers did a very good job and Rondo himself. And, and this is where it's kind of beneficial to the Lakers that he is the guy who who dictates that space, so that, that pace. So the fact that he really got out and pushed the ball made the Lakers a better team with him on the court. And then the, the Lakers is a better team overall because he did some things that like Alex Caruso, KCP, even Avery Bradley, when he was healthy or, or, or around, he did Rondo does some things for the Lakers that those guys cannot do. The thing has always been, is that going to be worth the trade-off of what he does to your team defensively so far to the play so far to this point in the playoffs, it's been worth it. Whether or not that continues when he has to guard, Goran Dragic, or he has to chase around different shooters from Miami on switches. We'll see. Uh, and then Dwight, Dwight is the the perfect example of accepting a role that people have been begging him to to play over the entire course of his career, where he's been demanding post touches and post isolation touches, where he could show off his awful jump hook that almost never goes in. Uh, he got to the Lakers and realized, to his credit, and I think the Lakers also did a good job of telling him, look, if it doesn't work out for you here, you're, you might be done in the league. Somebody might have taken a chance on him because of the talent, but they, there might have been a situation here where his career ended. And he committed to coming off of the bench. He committed to doing the things that made him a valuable player in the first place, rim running, rim protection, finishing on pick and rolls, just just general physicality, as we saw with Jokic. And I think in the, post, in, in the case of both of those guys, the Lakers found ways for them to help the team. Those guys found ways to make themselves helpful to the team. And, and right now, the Lakers, as a result, find themselves four wins from championship number 17. Rondo is a really interesting one because you talked about him hitting threes. He's uh, shooting threes at 45% in the playoffs. Now, it's not probably going to continue at that rate, but his three-point attempt rate is significantly higher than LeBron James's. LeBron is mm -hmm. you know, 31% of his attempts are coming from three. 
16% of Anthony Davis's attempts are coming from three. Rondo's shooting 40% of all of his field goals from three and hitting him at 45%. Like that is basically the same three-point rate that Kuzma is shooting threes at, and Rondo is actually hitting them at a decent rate. And that is you know, one of those criticisms. Okay, he's hitting threes at, at a good percentage. That's great, but he's taking two a game. Well, he's not. He's taking three a game here in these limited minutes, and it's been a real big change in what he's been able to do. Um, let's talk LeBron, though. Because he yeah, ended ended the, the Nuggets with another you know, 38, 16, 10 triple double. He's averaging 27, 10, and 9. He's averaging a block over a steal, almost two threes. His shooting numbers, 64 true shooting. He's got a massive usage higher than Anthony Davis's. He has really at honestly, this dude's gonna turn 36 in, in yeah, a few months. He's reestablished himself. I don't even know if he had to reestablish himself, but maybe he's reminded people that, yeah, at this age, he still is the best player in the NBA. And what he did in this, even though there were a couple of games where he's a little bit off, he he put the foot down when needed. I thought the biggest thing, on top of obviously the Lakers, you know, officially earning a bid for, for the NBA championship, on top of that, I thought the biggest thing to come out of the basketball game, if you're just focusing on basketball, was LeBron making some jumpers down the stretch of that fourth quarter where he scored, I think it was 16 points uh, to, to end Denver's season. That series was miserable for those who just watched LeBron James because he couldn't make anything from the outside. And because he wasn't making anything from the outside, he became reluctant in shooting those shots in the first place. And what you wind up seeing was Jeremy Grant, who, by the way, is like is a very good defensive player. Uh, his market this year has grown a ton because he flat out earned it. But LeBron kind of made his life easier on him as a defender by not taking those jumpers. So Grant was able to take a step back and beat LeBron to spots because you gives you a uh, it gives you more time to be able to, re- to react to the moves that LeBron makes. And and Grant showed out very well in those minutes that he played discipline. But then you also saw stretches uh, in Game Four, especially where he became undisciplined and like got way up into LeBron, let him get to the free throw line. And then in the fourth quarter of that one, uh, LeBron took a three-pointer. I forget what amount of time was left on the clock, but he took a three-pointer. It was from the left wing. And as he released it, you kind of saw that hop step. He thought it was good. He started running back on defense and he thought it felt good. He thought the shot felt good, which to that point in the series had not happened. He had not, there was never a moment where you you felt like he knew what a good shot felt like. And he, he he took that shot, ran back on defense. It wound up missing. It went, went, it was straight as an arrow. It it hit off the back of the rim. Uh, And I told my dad who happens to be in town watching the game with me, I told him that's, that's a good miss there from LeBron. That was a confident miss. That was a confident stroke on the ball. And then from there, he wound up hitting some step-back mid-range jumpers, some fadeaways, uh, and and really looked like the LeBron that knocked out the Blazers, that knocked out Houston, and then eventually knocked out the Nuggets. And if that shot ability, that shot-making ability carries over to the series against Miami, I just don't know what they can do to really stop them. I'll tell you what you can do, Anthony, if you're feeling hungry, because we all have stresses at home. We're all you know, stuck at home or in various aspects. We've got kids, we've got schooling, we've got working from home. But DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right now. What, what are you craving at the moment? Well, I just ate a bunch of carne asada, but I can always eat more. 
hey, I'd, I'd love some carne asada as well. But if you want it, DoorDash is the app that you just got to pull it open and you can find exactly what you're looking for. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factories. And you can also help support the businesses local to your area. Some of them are doing it tough. And if you want to get their delicious food delivered straight to your door, DoorDash is the one to go with. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's five bucks off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. The code is LOCKEDONNBA, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Now let's look forward, Anthony, because the Miami Heat, they await the NBA Finals are coming up. Now we've seen Frank Vogel has yeah, made decisions. Okay, against Houston, let's get McGee and Howard. Let's limit what they do. Let's yeah, bring more Rondo in. Let's reduce Rondo against the Nuggets. We'll bring more Howard in the, the matchup. So yeah, against Miami, who is a, a quite a strange team, and you talked about Rondo having to chase guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero around screens and on switches. Everything is very different to how things work with Denver or with, even with Houston. It's, it's a quite a different matchup. Of course, they're led by Jimmy Butler. They've got Bam Adebayo, who's playing out of his brain. There's shooters everywhere. There's veterans, Goran Dragic and Andre Iguodala. So the Lakers, while they will rightfully go in as favorites, that doesn't mean they can just go out there and play their game and make everyone adjust to them because they still have to make some adjustments there. So what's the biggest factor do you think here for the Lakers to, to pay attention to with Miami? Well, I think the thing that the Lakers have done as good, if not better than everybody else in the playoffs to this point, has been running shooters off of the three-point line, especially shooters who matter. And, and I think if the Lakers can continue to do that with Tyler Hero and with Duncan Robinson, then that puts them in a situation to, to mitigate some of those guys' value, which by like they're playing incredibly, you know. And I think some of what makes Miami such a, a kind of scary matchup for the Lakers is that there's no way they were ever really on the Lakers' radar to this point, right? Like there was, you, you, you initially thought, okay, it was going to be Milwaukee. Probably going to see if you get to the finals, it's going to be Milwaukee or it's going to be Toronto. Okay. If it isn't Toronto, maybe it's going to be Boston. Okay, fine. I guess we're going to, I guess we're going to see the the Miami heat. I reckon the Lakers would have thought Philadelphia was a higher chance than Miami getting in there. Yeah. That's, that's another great team too. Yeah, absolutely. So there were a whole, there, there were at least, I mean, you know, three or four teams, depending on where you were sitting, heading into the season that the Lakers probably thought that they had a, a greater chance of facing in the finals than the Miami heat. And as a result, now the Lakers kind of have to scramble uh, game. One of the NBA finals kicks off on Wednesday. So they now have to scramble, scramble over the next 48, 72 hours, finding a way to figure out a player like Tyler hero, who they probably don't have a ton on, you know, they have to figure out a way to, deal with Bam Adebayo, who, you know, is a fantastic player, but isn't probably somebody that the Lakers really had on their on their radar a ton. So uh, I, I think Miami offers a very interesting matchup in that respect. But like what I can what I kind of come down to it, and I'm I'm kind of reductionist by nature, uh reductivist, re- reductionist, however, however people want to who it's it's something that people yell at me when they say I'm being too simplistic. But they basically my thing is Adebayo is Miami's best player. I don't think he's better than AD. Jimmy Butler is Miami's maybe second best player. I don't think he's better than LeBron James. 
And so from there, like just in terms of straight up matchups, in terms of the guys who are going to be playing the most minutes here, the Lakers have two very key wins at two very key positions. It just becomes, can Alex Caruso mitigate some of what Tyler Hero has done to the to this point in the playoffs? And to be to be absolutely clear, Hero made quick work of somebody like Marcus Smart, who is one of the league's best defenders at that position, period. Uh, there, can Andre Iguodala, can Jimmy Butler, can even Bam slow down LeBron to the point where role players matter more. Like those are the things that when you're talking about the kind of wins that are going to matter over the course of seven game series, those are the things that can enough of those things add up in Miami's favor or can those things add up in the Lakers favor that are going to decide a, a really fun matchup. Now, I haven't sat down and worked this out exactly, but I think a fair argument would be to say the Lakers have the two best players in this series, but the Heat mm-hmm. might have the next five best players. I mean, you got yeah, Jimmy, right there. Jimmy Bam, Goran, Tyler Hero in that mix. You put Andre Iguodala there. Where do you put Duncan Robinson? Like, where's Jay Crowder fit when you're comparing them to um, you know, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard or Rondo or Danny Green or KCP? Like, do you feel like you can fit those five or six guys there? So it's going to be a little bit of that, you know, superstar two guys and supporting cast versus a whole bunch of you know, very good players to good players, you know, creating that difference. And it's going to be super intriguing. The Heat have made light work of everyone. You know, four. 4-0 in the first round, 4-1 against the Bucks, 4-2 against the Celtics. They really haven't been pushed all that much either. Very similar to the way the Lakers have uh, have run through mm-hmm. the thing. So it is a really interesting matchup. So on your final thought here on this, Anthony, what is who do you think is going to win? I'm sure it's going to be the Lakers, but in how many games? So this is another one. So when I was trying to, I don't, I don't, I don't really like prediction radio um, in general. But like when, when forced to make such a prediction against the Nuggets, I said all of logic told me that that was going to be a quick matchup. Like the the Lakers all season long made pretty quick work of of the Denver Nuggets, and and the thing that kind of held me back there from calling it a five game series or a four game series or whatever a super short series was that Denver was just such a different team uh, than the Lakers had faced earlier in that, in that year, even in the bubble when they saw bowl bowl for, for lengthy minutes. Uh, This one, this one's tough because there just isn't very much to bank on in terms of watching the Lakers play against the Miami heat this year. Uh, The Miami heat are playing very different basketball now than they did before the season went on hiatus uh, and 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 on top of that, like you said, it gets hard to discount or, or to look past how deep Miami is. All that said, superstars tend to win this thing. And I think we might really be looking at the birth of one of the greatest duos in NBA history. And that kind of duo, all it takes is for the supporting cast not to be completely blown out. And and I think I, I I would probably take the Lakers in five or six and and it's only immense respect for what I've seen from Miami to this point that that says six. My brain is telling me five, but when you take into account how good Miami has looked, I I I have to say Lakers in six. Well, this is going to be really interesting, and we'll check back in on that prediction at the end of the series, Anthony. Enjoy getting into the finals. Enjoy what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, and uh, guys can catch you over on Locked On Lakers. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA. Anytime, man. Have a good one. If you are looking for a delicious treat, a delicious snack, 
and also looking to keep yourself in shape, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It helps you to lose weight, it helps you to maintain your weight, but it also does it by being low calorie, low sugar, high protein and high fiber, and Built Bar is back with new flavors. Six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to join the original 12 OG flavors. All these bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they are super, super good in terms of their nutritional profile. The cookies and cream bar, the new one, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and just four net carbs, four grams of net carbs. Fantastic nutritional profile, and it's like that right across the range here for Built Bar. So if you go to builtbar.com, you can use the promo code Locked On, and you get ten dollars off your next order. Stop wasting money on protein bars that taste like dirt, that taste like cement, that taste like sawdust, or a mixture of all those three together. Go to builtbar.com, use that promo code Locked On for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. Now we go to the other side of the matchup, and that is the Miami Heat. I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Heat podcast, David Ramil, is here. Now, David, the obvious question to get out of the way is, how does it feel going up against former Miami Heat legend Dion Waiters? That is, it's been driving me crazy, wondering whether or not we'd get that opportunity, because that's exactly the focus moving forward, is trying to find a way to stop Dion, contain him, and limit what his impact can be on the floor. But other than that, it's been great. We don't need to talk about the LeBron heat angle. That's going to be covered everywhere. What we need to talk about is how good Miami has been in these playoffs, knocking off the Celtics with a a really a ridiculous run in that fourth quarter of game six. And it was done with Goran Dragic on the bench with starting power forward Jay Crowder on the bench who were running Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson with Andre Iguodala who stepped up for probably his best game in the playoffs. It is just amazing the, the amount of different angles that this Heat team can have to attack you with. You know, most playoff teams are like five guys, six guys that step up. This Heat team feels like there's eight or nine guys that can step up at different times. It's kind of what defines this team, for better or for worse, is that you don't necessarily have your superstar, but instead you have so many different key players that can have a significant impact at any moment in time. Today, it was Andre Iguodala. Nobody expected him to have four three-pointers off the bench uh, to produce the way he did, to make the right plays the way he has at his age at this point in his career, and somehow he's still turning in these big productions, these big moments. Bam Adebayo finishing with 32 points after mostly a quiet series and getting outplayed by Dan Tice in the previous game. You had the Tyler Hero game earlier. Jimmy still has yet to have a huge game. He did not have a big game against the Celtics at all and still was managed to be just productive and continue to contribute. And that's just what defines the team. They continue to talk about how their depth has always been a strength for this team all season long. And it just doesn't seem like that's the kind of strength that is typical of teams in the finals. You always think you have to have a superstar, et cetera. But for Miami, it really just doesn't seem to matter. You have so many different angles, so many different weapons that can contribute in so many different ways. And it just takes just enough of a scoring punch. Today was Bam. Yesterday, it would have been Tyler. Tomorrow, it could be Goron. And you never know if that's just enough for, for you to be able to pull out a victory. We're going to talk about, you know, we talk about no superstars. And Jimmy Butler and Bam, they're not superstars, but they're really, really good. And they're, they're pretty close to that level. But I want to talk something different because before the bubble started, I had you on my other podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're talking about the heat rotation because this was the first time they were going to be fully formed. Everyone was healthy. You had the additions of Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. And we're saying, okay, Dragic is fully healthy. 
there's 11, 12 guys here in the rotation. Like, who's going to miss out? And we're talking about the guards. And we say, well, maybe it's Tyler Hero that is the guy that's not a part of this rotation because Kendrick Nunn was playing and putting up mm. big minutes and big numbers. And yeah, Duncan Robinson and Butler and Dragic and all those guys. Well, maybe Hero's not exactly an every night part of it. Maybe he's playing minutes in the teens. But now he's playing like as a nominal point guard on this team. He's dropping 19, 5, and 7 in a closeout game in the Eastern Conference Finals. People when you complain, oh, hero, it's not fair that he wasn't your top two in rookie of the year or first team or rookie. But the level that he is playing in Orlando is unbelievably different to what he was doing during the regular season. And it's, again, just another one of these things. That this is why Miami's made this run because this wasn't Tyler Hero we got for the first 60 games of the year. No, and I keep reiterating that on the show as well. I, I talked to somebody who trains with him here in South Florida and the leap that he took over the last few months was because of the hiatus in the NBA, because he had that opportunity to just continue to work. So while he may be technically a rookie, this is, for all intents and purposes, his second season. He got an extra boost, an extra amount of time to work on his game. And just like most stars, if you're able to take that offseason and incorporate something new into your, your bag of tricks... Uh, we've seen it from Tyler. It's either his playmaking or his shot-making ability. Either one of those has just been taking a huge leap so far in Orlando. And I think he just feels the conference was always there. We know about that. We saw him step up in clutch situations even prior to the hiatus. But now he's just much more comfortable running the pick and roll, running the, the team as a point guard, making the right play for others. And it's amazing to see players like Jimmy and Bam and Goran Dragic defer to a 20-year-old player. I mean, I know it's been talking about a lot over the last few days, particularly after that 37-point outing of his, but he is just he's feels so comfortable in these moments. And and I, I the conference again was always a big part of what defined him. But to see him have that kind of explosiveness, that that ability to just confidently find his shot, to make the key play, it's just been impressive as hell. We saw the confidence from him in summer league, but I think some of his summer league performances were overblown. He didn't shoot particularly well. He wasn't as good at this level. And then the season wasn't where it needed to be or to be at that level. But it's just been ridiculous to watch him you know, blossom into this guy who's averaging 16, five and a half and four. He's got a true shooting of 60% as a rookie guard in the NBA playoffs heading into the NBA finals. It is a huge, huge um, surprise, really. I, I don't, no one could have expected this level of performance. Now, they have to take on the Lakers, who have been, if not championship favorites, at least in the top two or three, literally all season. It's a different build of team the Lakers have. They've got their two superstars. And then I talked when I talked with Anthony earlier, I said, well, the Lakers might have the best two players in this series, but the Heat probably have the next five or six best players. So how do they go about trying to reduce the impact of LeBron and Anthony Davis? How does Bam yeah, match up against AD? What do they do with LeBron? Is that just throw yeah, Iguodala? Is it throw yeah, Jay Crowder? Just throw multiple Derek Jones? Does he come out there? What changes does Spolstra make to how he sort of ran things against Boston to account for the differences between the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers? You're you're being the Rachel Nichols on this podcast. You're not even letting me have the moment to enjoy sorry, sorry. the Eastern Conference Finals before bringing up the potential matchup against the the final uh, the Lakers in the finals. I can't believe it, Josh. Uh, as far as the actual matchup is concerned, you know that's difficult. I know Bam will want the responsibility of being able to lock down AD single-handedly but of course it's going to be a team effort and there's always the threat of getting into foul trouble i think bam is up for that matchup i, I think there's some history between the two uh, i i could see i could see bam finding the the perception that that davis is such a great player and clearly a better player than Adebayo is as the fuel that drives him to want to be able to lock him down and he's so effective uh at doing so when he's engaged and focused on on that kind of task single-handedly but 
at the same time, when it comes to LeBron, he's going to need to help on him as well. I think they start off with Crowder. I just don't see any other way around it. I wonder on the other side whether or not the Lakers will continue to start Dwight Howard the way they did against the Nuggets because that doesn't seem like that's a, an ideal matchup for them. But from Spolstra's perspective, his focus has always been the same thing. Let's continue to do what we do well and then let the other team find a way to adjust. I'm not sure if that's always the right strategy. Maybe it's oversimplifying things. But I understand his overall point is to say, look, we can just focus on what we can control. This is what we do best. And clearly Miami's best version has been what we've seen during the playoffs with Jay Crowder starting. Now, Crowder obviously has started to regress, although in game six against the Celtics, he did have a significant impact defensively, also was able to cut to the rim, make some smart plays, even if his shot from the perimeter isn't falling. It has not fallen for most of the series. I don't know whether or not Spolster feels comfortable making any change to that starting lineup and then further damaging what seems to be some pretty shaky confidence from Crowder in the first place. So I, I think Spolster will probably just continue with the same starting rotation that he had against the Celtics and then maybe make some minor changes. We didn't see Kelly Olynyk play much. I, surprisingly, he did not get a lot of minutes against the Celtics because I think he would have been very effective against Ennis Cantor and Grant Williams when they were in the game, but uh, it was a, a choice that Spolster just didn't feel comfortable making. I think he could have a big series against the Lakers, but that's just my perspective because they don't have the backup centers to really go out on the perimeter and limit what Olenek can do, especially as a playmaker and a, a shot creator. So. I, I just I think there are changes to the rotation, but again, this is Miami's strength. They have so many players they can go to. Sometimes it's Derek Hill. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. Sometimes it's Solomon Hill who played the last couple games. You never know what to expect from Spolstra. He's been very just. He's been willing to make the changes, the small tinkering here and there to kind of tweak the lineup, and it's worked. I mean, at this point during the finals, what more can you expect? Yeah, exactly. And look, a lot of credit's got to go to Eric Spolstra because he is a uh, he's a top five coach in the league and he is not number five uh, on that list. He's probably not even number four on that list, to be honest. Yeah. What he's done over the course of all of these years, you can say, well, you know, LeBron took them to the finals, but there's a lot of work that needed to go into that time with Spolstra and getting those guys to work together. Four straight finals is no joke, and now he's done it again. He's remained competitive. He is one of the best. You're probably a top three coach in the NBA. Uh, maybe he's pushing number two there behind Nick Nurse. Some people even have him ahead of him, considering where they are in the playoffs at the moment in the NBA Finals. I'm not going to look forward to the Lakers matchup here with you for this last question, David, because I know you want to just talk about Jimmy Butler, who's made it to the NBA Finals for the first time in his career. He was angling for a trade to the Miami Heat. We were led to believe when he was with the Minnesota Timberwolves. That didn't happen, but as soon as he got the chance, he was straight down to Miami, and Butler's had plenty of critics in the past, including myself, for some of the stuff that he does, some of the, uh, the friction that he causes with teams, but... I don't think you could really have anything bad to say about his time in Miami. No, not at all. I, he's been a joy to cover, to talk to regularly in that locker room, seeing the camaraderie, the chemistry blossom, seeing it now in the bubble uh, between him and Goran Dragic, this unlikely friendship that's been slowly building over the course of the season and, and seems to have gone only stronger as they prepare for the, their first ever championship run together. It's unbelievable. He, he, look, he talked about it in his postgame presser today how important it was for him to be part of this team that as soon as he entered the the pitch with Pat Riley and Eric Spolster and other members of the top brass there, they had the right music play and they had the right atmosphere. He said, look, I, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm in. And, and Spolster and Riley kind of looked at each other like saying, what do you mean you're done? And he's like, yeah, this is home. And, and that's the feeling that he kind of gives off is that he is happy here. He has 
chosen to be here for the first time in his career. He was drafted by Chicago. He was traded to Minnesota, traded to Philadelphia, never really had the option of going anywhere where he wanted to go. And he always wanted to be here. And he's always been appreciated here. He feels that way. He, he, he just... He's very grateful for the opportunity here. And I think, moreover, he can just be himself. He can hold everybody accountable. He can get in Adebayo's face. He can get in Duncan Robbins' face. And because everybody on this team has their own strange story where they weren't a top-five draft pick or they didn't have anything handed to them. There's so many undrafted players on this roster, from Udonis Haslam to Kendrick Nunn to Duncan Robinson. The chips on all those shoulders just piles up to this one perfect equation of what you define as heat culture. I mean, I know that sounds like a lot of branding and marketing and everything else but there is an attitude that you know we can do anything as long as we continue to work harder than everybody else and clearly again it's worked yeah it has and you mentioned Udonis Haslam like I think this is his this will be his sixth NBA finals appearance along with Andre Iguodala's uh, sixth uh, NBA finals appearance so plenty of experience there to help these guys who haven't been in that position but those two guys have got that experience in uh, in droves and Haslam while he doesn't play and really hasn't played for about three years he just sits on the bench and talks to blokes and helps them out and that has obviously been a successful ploy for this Miami Heat team David go and enjoy the rest of the night and enjoy tomorrow as you prepare for the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals again against Los Angeles Lakers. Your prediction before I let you go? Not a good one. I, I <laughs> look. I don't really believe this, but I've been pretty consistent in, in saying Heat in six. Uh, I said it about the Celtics series, and it proved correct. Uh, I'm going to continue to say Heat in six, although I don't firmly believe that. I'd have to say the Lakers have a significant edge because of their talent at the top and also their size. But uh, I, I, I'm done not expecting great things out of this heat team because it seems like they always find a way to persevere and to find a way to win so you know what heat and six it is okay well that is uh, look I don't, i'm not ruling anything out because i didn't think they'd beat the bucks i didn't think they beat the celtics uh, i still don't think they're gonna beat the lakers but i reckon it might be lakers in seven but at this point i i just i couldn't be surprised at all by what miami is throwing out they are a team to root for they're a team to admire and it's been absolutely fantastic to watch david locked on heat is going to be a must listen to over the coming weeks and thanks for coming on locked on nba Absolutely. Anytime. I'm looking forward to talking next week as well. That does it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. The NBA Finals are set. We are super pumped. We can't wait. We're going to have all the coverage for you, not only here on Locked On NBA, but right across Locked On Heat, Locked On Lakers, as we look at this Finals matchup from every angle possible. Don't forget to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.